Don't start building your AI app from scratch. Save time and effort by visiting intel.com slash edge AI. Get open source code snippets and sample apps for a head start on development so you can reach your seamless deployment faster. Go to intel.com slash edge AI. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Stack Overflow podcast, a place to talk all things software and technology. I'm your host, Ben Popper, Director of Content here at Stack Overflow. Joined as I often am by my colleague, Ryan Donovan, who edits our blog and our newsletter. Ryan, how are you doing today? Hey, Ben. Pretty good. Pretty good. Good. So Cassidy gave us this link for the newsletter, and I think it's too good not to talk about. <laughs> Somebody was testing the limits of you know what, what a, a PDF can do. How big right. of a PDF can you get to? And... And I think there was a claim somewhere that, you know, you could make a PDF as big as Germany. And he's going through, mm. and I think the Acrobat software limits you to a point. And he just went in and coded it by hand, and he ran to a, a limit there. But then he found an unlimited in the Mac OS media box. Basically, mm. he could create a PDF that was larger than the known universe. <laughs> and if you want to see it, you can download it from, from this site. Well, how can I download it if it's infinitely big? Uh, it's, it's not infinitely big. It's 37 trillion light years square. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. Okay, good. The known universe. The known yeah. universe. What is up with Adobe Acrobat? They limit you to 15 million by 15 million inches? <laughs> Garbage. Yeah. I Did mean... pay for a bigger version? <laughs> <laughs> There's probably reasonable limits there. 15 yeah, million by 50 yeah. million image, you know. Well, we want to have a PDF that, that other species can see from space. That's how we solve Fermi's paradox, right? Yeah. They can't see the PDF from space. <laughs> how are they going to know we exist? Uh, this is the digital version of the, there's a Borges story. The map is not the territory where somebody is trying to perfectly map <laughs> right. a territory and it becomes as big as the territory. So mm. if you want a perfect map of the known universe, it has to be as big as the known universe. I gotcha. <laughs> um, who uses the user unit property in PDF? This was asked four years ago and modified yesterday. Mm -hmm. So now, that, yeah, there's a Stack Overflow question here. If you want to know how to uh, get to the largest possible PDF, we can help you out on that That's as right. well. They get to uh, their answer through Stack Overflow. So a little bit of a self-link, but uh, not mad. Hey, what are we going to do? <laughs> 37 trillion light years square. I don't really think of distance in terms of light years, so I'm going to have trouble with that. Mm. That that is a a measure of distance, though it's. I know, and you know, hard for me to think about it that way. I think a, a meter is also a measure of light over time. Mm, interesting. It's like like going like one point some meters. Right. Do you know, in, like in Star Wars, where they talk about parsecs? <laughs> yeah. You ever heard that? I've heard that. Yeah. Yeah. I always thought that was made up, but apparently it's not. It's three point two six light years. Yeah, I think I've heard a criticism where it's using the wrong uh, i forget what the quote is but it makes the kessel run in 3.6 parsecs and it's like that's not a unit of time it's a unit of distance right yeah exactly that famous line is incorrect right so we, we never measure time in in terms of light mm -hmm. like a light year is uh, the distance that light would move in one year yeah that's at right it's, at it's like going speed right. okay six trillion miles <laughs> trillion miles <laughs> A mere six trillion miles. <laughs> so if you got some time on your hand. All right, right. All right, I have one here for us, which I think is interesting and is kind of a trend. 
Massachusetts governor leans into skills-based revolution by axing degree requirements for state jobs. The private sector is up next. This is no like surprise to anyone who's worked in the world of software for a long time. There are many sort of certificates and boot camps that you can go to as an on-ramp to learn software development or be certified as like a cloud administrator, security administrator. And then you can get a, you know, an entry-level job in IT and some of those jobs actually pay pretty well. But it's kind of cool to see the world responding to that by saying like, you know, a four-year college degree maybe is not what we need when it comes to, right, the IT department of our, Mm -hmm. you know, water and sanitation. What we need is somebody who has X skills. And, you know, like, I guess one would hope this like levels the playing field, right, for, Mm -hmm. for people because a college degree often you know, can be quite expensive or time prohibitive. Like if you have to support yourself or support your family, despite your intelligence, college education isn't always easily accessible. Yeah. I mean, I've always said there's parts of programming and IT that are essentially blue collar jobs, right? You're mm. you're going through and you're building something. You just have to figure out how to build something. You don't need right. all the fancy math. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it's not even guaranteed that you'll get that fancy math in a college right. program. Yeah. Um, Massachusetts is in the middle of a transition to a skills-based economy, and the demand for talent is at an all-time high. It has the highest percentage of working adults with a four-year degree. We can be proud of that, but the other half of the workforce makes an immense contribution and you know should be welcomed in the public sector is what the governor had to say. And I guess mm-hmm. we live in a weird time where, from the tech sector side, we see a lot of layoffs. It is a bit unsettling. It's the first time in 10, 12 years where, you know, being a software developer doesn't always mean you're going to have multiple sort of options on the table for mm-hmm. keep your current job or go to a different one. But the unemployment rate in the United States, and we're speaking to a global audience here, but just, you know, from our perspective yeah. sitting here in the U.S., is extremely low. And the workforce participation rate for working age adults is extremely high. If you want to have a job, you can. Maybe not the job you want, maybe not the salary you used to have, but you know, there's a demographic sort of shift in the United States where baby boomers were this huge generation and they're retiring out, mm-hmm. retiring a lot faster post-COVID. And so in some ways, right, saying you don't need a college degree is a great thing. In some ways, maybe they're responding just to the fact that they don't have enough people, yeah. right? Like <laughs> they have spots they have to fill. Yeah. And I think there's been a lot of talk about trying to get college degrees to be more skilled, skilled-based, mm-hmm. more, you know, closer to trade schools in some ways. And I think mm-hmm. if that's a response to all these jobs requiring a college degree when they didn't really need one. What they need is the skills. Mm-hmm. So right. you can just take, you know, a skill up program, boot camp or something, get the skills. And the college degree, I think initially it was meant to be like, this makes you a sort of well rounded citizen, right? Right, right. All right. We have to go there. <laughs> um, <laughs> a large food delivery business has set about quietly deleting its unsettling AI-generated food pics. This is not uh, the first instance of rogue AI. There was a car company that had a chatbot, which Mm -hmm. was agreeing to sell cars to people for a dollar. But this one, you just wonder like what they were thinking. There's a conjoined chicken here. There is (laughs) macaroni and cheese in a shape formerly unknown to humans. And uh, geometrists, I mean, (laughs) how does this stuff get past quality control? You know, it's hard to say. That's amazing. Yeah, I get wanting to skip the queue, just like (laughs) have these pictures there. But it's like, you want pictures of real food when you're ordering food. Right. 
Well, these are recipes, I mean, so it's like, what are you, what are you expecting to get? Oh, okay. No, wait, yeah. that's not right. <laughs> oh, no, this is even worse. Maybe some of the recipes were also AI-generated. That's not safe. Oh. I mean, you got to wonder if anybody was checking these for, for quality. Like, you need a human in the loop here. You need somebody who is making sure you're not putting out, you know, bot crap, as they say. Right. But, you know, there is a lot of food advertising that uses fake images and that they'll put in your ooey gooey chocolate chip, they'll put uh, Elmer's glue or something, they'll put glue in there. And right. it won't be the real food. Right. It'll just look more appetizing because they've made it with, yeah. you know, stuff you get at Home Depot. Right, right. Yeah, what you see in a in a, in a food commercial when the cheese is stretching, you know, uh, out to four feet and stuff mm -hmm. is not real. The hot dog and the hamburger are always, you know, ridiculously plump. It's food porn, as they say. But yeah, I guess mm -hmm. this issue now, yeah, it goes beyond just one. So let, let's just say this is not a, a single company, but a number that have tried this. <laughs> And it's like, mm -hmm. oh, is this a cost-cutting measure where it's like, hey, we want to stop paying, you know, to have stock photography of this. The medium whole pie right. pizza is now a picture of a delicious <laughs> bakery pie dessert. And <laughs> there's a brand of ranch dressing that does not exist. And, you know, it just throws you for a loop wondering like, yeah, who, who would feel safe ordering this stuff? Yeah. A lot of it could just be auto-generated, honestly. Like they're looking at what the searches are for recipes and they're like well let's generate a recipe for that right and they're just just trying to grab seo which you know i've been there at jobs right yeah cheddar and cream cheese sauce for mac and cheese right so they were just like these searches go together somebody's like can i use cream right. cheese for mac and cheese that that gets searched right. ten thousand times a day and the ai is happy to tell you it's got an idea <laughs> also for how to plate it the uh, the chefs of the future <laughs> go forth with caution user discretion is advised <laughs> please be safe out there if you're looking at online recipes dear yeah. lord there was something really interesting that i heard today which i will share it was about the transformer model which has been you know some one of the most impactful sort of architectural updates to how we approach ai driving a lot of the recent gen ai revolution that paper was published in 2017 2018 by google and you know has a bajillion citations as well. Mm. So this person pointed out that if you go back a few years earlier to 2014, there was actually you know publications that used the same attention mechanism mm. to improve AI image recognition that would look at an image and then write a caption. Right. And so like the thing that made Transformers great was that they would be able to think beyond just the last token. They would go back and look at the context of the whole sentence and from there mm -hmm. they can evolve. Now they can think in large chunks of contents, paragraphs, sentences, books, essays. Mm -hmm. So this is also true for this image generator. Mm -hmm. And the person was saying, why didn't that paper blow up? And why didn't we follow? You know, why wasn't that sort of the springboard? Right. And they brought up something interesting which I had never heard of before, called the hardware lottery effect, mm. which I guess the idea is that, you know, a ton of research gets published every year. And, you know, a lot of it has some kind of algorithmic improvement. And I've always thought, oh, you know, what made the Transformer important was that it made like an algorithmic improvement. It decided on a different way of doing right. things. And what this person was saying was, actually, it wasn't that the idea was so novel. It was that this research came out of Google mm -hmm. and they have TPUs and other folks have right. GPUs. And in large language models, the transformer lets you paralyze 
the computation and take advantage of the parallel architecture and the hardware. Mm -hmm. Therefore, you can do it much bigger, much faster, much cheaper. Mm -hmm. And in the world of, I guess it was image recognition, Mm -hmm. this was already true. And so it was irrelevant. Mm. Like it wouldn't let you make some kind of big gain in industry. Right. And so therefore the research, you know, wasn't sort of widely adopted. And I thought that was really interesting to think about. Yeah. When we're talking about uh, AI, a lot of times we do lean on, you know, talking about the transformer model there. And we don't talk a lot about the the sort of gains in hardware that, you know, people were using GPUs all over the place. And now that we've got the specialized, um, we mm-hmm. were talking to, Someone yesterday was talking about the GPU is just a furnace, putting <laughs> putting stuff in and churning it out, and it's this big energy hungry monster. Right. And what you just need is the parallelization, which is, you know, pretty computationally cheap in itself. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We'll have to dig a little deeper into this paper mm-hmm. and sort of see if there's some interesting examples in here. But I guess right, what they were saying is like very productive research can fall by the wayside if it doesn't align with commercial opportunity and that, you know, the advent of sort of domain specialized hardware Mm -hmm. that makes it increasingly costly to sort of stray off the beaten path, you should definitely be thinking about this because you don't want to like, right, abandon research that can provide huge gains just because it's not going to let you max out (laughs) the style of of chip. On the other hand, what are businesses going to do? I mean, that's I mean, some of them, I'm sure, have pure research labs and mm-hmm. the government has it or whatever. But right, for things to become widely adopted, they have to work at scale. And the more things are adopted at scale, the less they cost. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it's kind of a virtuous cycle there, right? Yeah. You need the the simple version that can work with everybody. It's, you know, we t- the, the Transformer model came out in, what, 2017, 2018? Mm-hmm. It really didn't blow up until ChatGPT in, in like right. 2022 because now there was a great front end on it. People could use it anytime. Right. All right. So the hardware lottery is one way you can win. Mm -hmm. The other is social media influencers. (laughs) If your AI research is shared by somebody who has a large social media presence, Mm. it is very likely to go on to get two to three times more citations in the future, meaning other scholars are building on your research. So being an online influencer, that's how we chart our path of scientific progress here. That's right. (laughs) It's all popularity contests all the way down, you know? I, I guess so. I guess so. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm sure that's always been true, right? Like, yeah, scientists who were convincing and charismatic uh, got people to follow them more than others. They didn't have social media to do it. Yeah. I mean, I, I read about some, some research that said uh, the artists that make it big, they aren't the, the most creative or the best or the most interesting. Uh, they have the most international friends, right? <laughs> so, Is that right? Yeah. Read it on the internet. Must be true. It must be true. All right. Uh, over two percent of the U.S.'s electricity generation now goes to Bitcoin. I saw that. I don't understand this. For me, Bitcoin has been over. Right. I guess that means that I'm probably missing another opportunity to create generational wealth. Mm-hmm. It's probably like the third time I've done this. Maybe I should just stop trying to 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 be smart about this and just always <laughs> buy a little bit of bitcoin every week for the rest of my life just so i don't miss it again i mean yeah fool me thrice shame on me right yeah i think you know it has felt over as as a gold rush but you know i remember reading a few months ago there was a uh, bitcoin hit a new high like did it wow yeah i think so i'm so out of touch with this now it just i guess because like it's completely fallen out of mainstream press right well, it's called all the, the also-rans, right? It's now just the big players are still there hanging on, trying to 
make this into something that mm. usable across whatever the use case is. Right. This is fascinating. Since Bitcoin mining is the antithesis of an essential activity, several mining operations have signed up for demand response programs where they agree to take their operations offline if electricity demand is likely to exceed generating capacity in return for compensation by the grid operator. It has been widely reported that one facility in Texas at an aluminum smelter site earned $30 million by shutting down during the heat wave of 2023. They're taking us all hostage here, Ryan. <laughs> I don't like it. I, yeah. They're mining their digital gold and then they're charging us not to mine it? Yeah, no. seriously. Unacceptable. Okay, so looking at the uh, the Bitcoin charts here, it hit a peak in about late 2000, 2021, right? Six, okay. 60,000. And then it... Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, crashed for a bit. And then it got back up to 40,000 uh, about a month mm. ago. Okay. I, I got into Bitcoin once or twice at 7,000 to 12,000 at like 30 or 40,000. Hmm. I don't know if I held on to my seven and my 12. I remember thinking like, whatever. Yeah. I bought it like a hundred dollars worth of it. So, you know, it was never going to whatever, but I, I have some, I put some, st I put some stakes in the ground. Okay. I can feel proud of seven and 12. Those are my numbers. Yeah. You know, I, I remember a friend of mine was talking about it when it was like 15 bucks and I was like, boof, I would buy that. It's a lot. It's a lot for some bites. <laughs> yeah. All right, everybody. It is that time of the show. Let's shout out somebody who came on Stack Overflow and helped by contributing a little bit of knowledge or a little bit of curiosity. A great question badge awarded to Jeff Allen yesterday. Mm -hmm. How to create a vector of all the days between two dates. 85,000 people have checked this out as part of the R Language Collective. So if you want to know how to create a vector of all days between two dates, Jeff has an answer for you and has earned a lifeboat badge. So congrats to you, Jeff. And if you don't know, collectives are like, they're like a little like subsection mm -hmm. of Stack Overflow where you can hang out and talk about something like R Language, if that's mm -hmm. what you're into. And then it has like a discussion board. So you don't just have to ask questions. You can also just chit chat and have just discussions or post things that are interesting, like an interview with somebody. All right, y'all. That's all we got for you today. As always, I am Ben Popper, Director of Content here at Stack Overflow. You can find me on Twitter at Ben Popper. Email us, podcast at Stack Overflow. We've gotten a couple recently that we've since booked for episodes. Damn. So hit us up there. And yeah, if you like the show today, leave us a rating and review. I remain Ryan Donovan. I edit the blog here at Stack Overflow, located at stackoverflow.blog. And if you want to contact me on X, my handle is rthordonovan. Great. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening, and we will talk to you soon. <laughs>